You're listening to Fundraising Radio, a podcast about fundraising for early stage startups. The major rule that we follow here is no bullshit on this podcast. No music to relax you, no advertisements of our sponsors. We only talk about fundraising here and nothing else. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Anil Anfani, founder and managing partner at Inventus Law. And in this episode, we'll talk about legal issues that startup founders face, especially early stage startup founders, especially first time entrepreneurs. And we'll talk about, you know, hiring lawyers versus using some automation tools and when you should actually, you know, go towards the law, um, to law professionals and when you should just go to Google. So Anil, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on Inventus Law. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's obviously exciting to be here. Um, I describe myself very easily, very simply, I should say. <laughs> I am Anil Advani and I'm a startup lawyer and I run a law firm, Inventus Law, startup law firm. That's all we do, right? I mean, we do, uh, we are lawyers for startups. So for startups, we do everything from starting out through the life cycle. And we can go into details as we go along. Uh, and we don't do anything else. So if you have a real estate client, then we would refer you to somebody else. If you're going through a divorce, you know, don't call me. But if you're a startup founder and looking to build the next big thing and you're passionate about it, you hopefully full-time given up everything else and maybe have sold your house or in any case ready to go, uh, we are the law firm and I'm the lawyer for you. Nice. And yeah, thanks for clarifying that, you know, uh, divorces is not quite your thing. <laughs> uh, people, please do not reach out about that. So, uh, let's talk about big firms versus smaller firms. So your firm in Venice law is relatively small firm. Um, how do you compare yourself to bigger firms? So, you know, what's the major difference between a smaller firm like yours and huge firm, you know, that has like thousand employees. Yeah, yeah, and I'm obviously biased, so I'll, I'll put that out there, and so we can then have a full discussion about. It. Um, on the other hand, I'm although I'm biased, I'm also probably the best person to speak about this because I've been on both sides of it. I, I worked at big firms, uh, Fields, which is a British firm, and it's called a Magic Circle firm. Uh, I worked at Cooley Gartward and Oric Harrington, two really big technology firms in Silicon Valley. And I've seen what they do, and they've. There are obviously some good parts and they've done things well, which is why they're there in a very otherwise competitive, you know, market, uh, legal services for startups that is. Uh, so I would talk about, you know, the reason I started my own firm is really because, uh, I saw a gap, right. In the sense that on one hand, you know, investors, VC funds, they had great relations with these law firms, these mega firms, uh, these firms Cooley in the early, you know, late nineties, early two thousands really formed most of these venture funds. The large portion of the venture funds were formed at Wilson Sonshini. So guess what? You know, these guys, the, the LPs and the, the managers, uh, the GPs, they all, and, and the lawyers at Cooley, the fund formation lawyers, they all knew each other, right? So when they were investing in companies and most people on this radio show have probably seen the, the, the TV show Silicon Valley, you know, they would refer you as a founder to go and work with quote unquote their lawyer, right? And as a law, as a founder, you didn't have access to good quality counsel because you, I mean, good quality, unbiased, independent counsel. So you would be going to a Cooley or Oric or any of these large firms, uh, but that also represented investors, right? Uh, 
so so I started Inventors with one of the goals was to fill the gap where we really re almost always represent the founders, you know. So and that's something that's uh, was selling a badge of honor for me, if you will, that we will be always the founder law firm, and almost all of our work actually comes from referrals from other founders. So you know, so so we probably I would like to say we're probably the only technology startup law firm, at least in Silicon Valley, at least that I know of, that represents founders as a focus, you know, um, and, and that knows what they're doing. I mean, there are other lawyers you know, there that might be representing founders, but that's, as I said, you know, they could be diverse lawyers helping on founders and then trying to help on the venture side. But a, a startup legal firm focusing exclusively or almost exclusively on founders. So that's, you know, we're one of the really one of the only ones that I know of, as I said. Uh, the other part is really, and we call ourselves the, the global technology law firm. So the other gap I saw in the market, and I don't want to sound very visionary, but it just played itself out as well. <laughs> but I saw, I saw in the, you know, this gap in the market where there are large law firms like Freshfields of the world with not just a thousand, but three, four thousand lawyers, lawyers, not even employees, right, across the world. Um, and Titan Case, Cadenaf, large New York firms uh, that are good in you know, billion dollar, and I say billion dollars was 99, 2000, it's probably much bigger numbers, but billion dollar infrastructure projects, right? So if you are a, if you are a, a world bank and investing a billion dollars in the next, you know, uh, power project in Indonesia, those would be great firms to hire, right? But if you're a startup, <laughs> you know, you, that's not the firm for you. And then there were, they are the big, you know, very, very successful and good, well-run uh, Silicon Valley-based law firms. And believe it or not, there's still five or six, you know, that not that very high-quality uh, law firms, like cool, like, you know, some of the firms I've worked in, some of the other firms I've interacted with. Uh, but those firms are very local. You know, they are, because their whole universe, just like ours, as I explained earlier, is startups. And in, at least the, you know, when I started 2009, until that time, almost all all the investments were made in startups in Silicon Valley, right? So these lawyers, these partners, these big firms, they exclusively focused on representing VCs or startups in Silicon Valley and had like to, I would hate saying it, but it's true, had no idea, or in most cases, interest in looking outside Silicon Valley, forget about the rest of the world. So I, you know, this whole thing we call technology startup, this whole ecosystem in Silicon Valley was set to blow up because you know, the smart kids graduating from changing schools in India or Singapore or Turkey or Croatia or Russia, they were not now working for the GEs of the world. They were starting to build their own, right? So I saw that they would need help, right? And, and, and there was an opportunity of becoming, frankly, the only global technology law firm. And we have a trademark, so nobody can, else can call themselves that, you know? Uh, and, and think about this. These, these big firms didn't even think about trademarking something which I believe is very valuable. And, and that's what we position ourselves, right? So we, we distinguish ourselves from big firms in two ways, uh, well, three ways or four ways, but certainly the first is really that we are focused on representing founders and that's where most of our work comes. So our loyalty, if you will, remains with really the technically and legally and ethically we represent the companies, but the interests of the founders as they set up those businesses. Um, secondly, we are much more global and third, you know, obviously that's the, the key part for a lot of founders fees and how we operate and, you know, fee arrangements. I've had two calls this morning with founders that were also talking to big firms and I've sort of this, I've already prepared for this. 
in that uh, the good thing is at big firms, you know, there are models of working and you have to, if you're changing that model, you have to go all the way up to the management committee. You know, if you're a partner at a big firm, there's only so much flexibility you have. With me, if you're a founder and we like each other, or if you're referred by a founder I work with and there's some background, it's whatever you and I agree on. You know, we, we have coffee, we used to have coffee, and now on, on Zoom coffee. <laughs> whatever you agree on, you say, hey, I want to do this, and how much will it cost? We can do a flat piece, we can do fee referrals. Uh, I come in with some equity sometimes, many, many times, you know, if, if I like the company. So that's, and, and it's not something that we say, okay, you know, play games. It's everything on the table. If you like it, you, we like each other. We can sign up very quickly and be up and running with the focus of building the company, right? Not playing games. So that's the third. And, and fourth is, you know, we're really all very good people. <laughs> I'm not saying lawyers at other big firms are not good, people, but we are good people in the sense that and I say that to my team from time to time that, you know, if, if you don't understand what it takes to build a startup, you know, for a founder that's given up all the opportunity for, you know, sometimes Silicon Valley, you are 250, 300, 400k jobs to build the startup, right? They're, they're putting, they're betting their futures on this. And if they're working hard and if you don't appreciate that, and if you can't support it, you shouldn't be a startup lawyer. You know, there are lots of good things to do. As a lawyer, you can change the world. You can do other things. You can make a lot of money outside. But if you are raising your hand to be a startup lawyer, you need to be committed to the founders and understanding the passion and the stress and everything that goes into building a startup and you to support that process, not bring your egos or your own personal issues in there. You know? So we are very good people. We are very founder focused <laughs> and passionate about helping our clients build it. You know? Nice. Uh, that was a lot of focus was on the, you know, <laughs> more of a moral <laughs> side. But, uh, let me let me rephrase the question from the financial perspective. Who is better for a first-time founder? Who is better, you know, for a beginner founder? Is it a small firm? Do they do you guys charge less than bigger firms, or is it reversed actually? Yeah, I mean, I think I would rephrase that question in the sense that it's a it's a mistake for founders to focus on that because. I think there are either startup law firms or there, there are not startup law firms. So I think I would say as I earlier, there are five or six really high quality law firms that focus on startups and can do really well for those startups. So founders should look at them. Founders should look at us uh, and that should be the universe to start with. Right. And there isn't a whole lot of difference between them and us in terms of financial to be, you know, and you know, I'm, I'm speaking sort of against myself in that, but be sure cost should not be the decision maker, right? It should be the lawyer and the person that you trust because founders don't realize when they start, you know, the relation with the lawyer, your startup lawyer is one of the most important relationships. You know, when, uh, you know, this whole journey of being a startup founder is, is difficult. It's lonely. You need people that you can trust and also pick up the phone and, and chat about, uh, you know, one, one founder, you know, I'm working with and he's selling his company for quite a million you know, of money. We've been chatting, he came in, and, and then yesterday we were talking about smoothies. You know, I sent him a picture of my smoothie <laughs> and, and something else that he had, you know. I mean, just someone you can really be connecting with, right? As a founder, you need that around you. Uh, I'm not kidding, you know, I have a, one founder staying in my house. He's visiting from India and he's staying here in my house right now, you know. Nice. Yeah. So That's so, actually, that's very cool. Yeah, now, I'm not selling that as, it's not an <laughs> founders, I don't charge. It's just thing that we build in. So I, I would say back to the original question, it's about who do you trust as the person that you will pick up the phone and you'll get the right answer for the right reason, not because 
you you're paying them more or they've been referred you've been referred by a vc all of those other things that go on in the background you know the the, the and, and cost is important and i think you as a founder you want to make sure because there's so many horror stories you read google you talk to other founders and then you know you get concerned but i would say any good lawyer at any of these big firms and our firm is equally good so if they've been doing this for five seven eight years you know legal work for startups is not complicated so they should be able to handle your work mm -hmm. the fees because it's fairly straightforward and a lot of it is streamlined it should not be a lot of money so for those reasons don't focus on the money part of it because it will solve for itself if you work with the right startup lawyer look for the person that you can connect with most right that you can trust that if when things are not working well that this person will stand up if you're not able to raise funding i you know if, if last year we i mean i was a small firm and i'm not financially necessarily wealthy but one of our clients we rate off we said okay we'll do the, all the work for 2020 and just this two weeks ago, you know, he sent an email saying we're shutting down and we wrote off that time and said, okay, you know, come back when you start again. And he will, you know, so that's, we put back into the system. Uh, so I think either of when chips are down, who are the firms, big firms will start firing clients. You know? <laughs> when, when, when yeah. the economy turns, they'll stop responding. They'll start, they'll send you invoices, don't pay, then they'll fire you. They'll say, go away or they'll just not do the work. And we don't do that. I mean, we don't go and chase those clients. We don't want clients that are not paying necessarily. But if you are our client, we are not just running away just because you're not making, you know, it's not the best time for you at that time, you know? So there is certainly a relationship that you have to think about. When I work with a founder, not just thinking about, I am thinking about how much I can earn from there. And sometimes I make investments. So that's certainly a part of the decision, but also the fact that, you know, th that founder has been heard by another founder. So there's a few relationships to stake, and that founder is very likely they're starting a company. They're connected to at least five or 10 other founders that over the next five, 10 years will start company. And that's a prospective client for, you know, a client sort of channel for me. Mm -hmm. So that's very important for me, you know, so I'm, because it's my firm, I'm not going anywhere for the next 10, 20 years. So I have to continue to invest right in my credibility, my name more than a few thousand dollars. Right. So I'm always taking that longer term perspective. Nice. I love that approach. Long time perspective is generally the one that's working. So great work there. I love hearing this. But again, let's talk, take a look at this from the financial perspective. There is always an alternative to the lawyers being it, you know, Google, any other search engine, or actually an automation tool like, you know, the tool that allows you to basically create your company from zero to, you know, pretty much uh, structuring your uh, first round. Those mm -hmm. tools allow you to do the entire process for like, I would say 150 bucks. Uh, so who do you think should go that way? And who do you think should actually go through an actual like real lawyer? Yeah, if you allow me, you know, I've, I've obviously encountered these questions before and I've got a sort of a flip, but it's a little short, it's a little long, but uh, my favorite book and show and sort of the whole story is Godfather, <laughs> you know, in Godfather, there's a there's a clip where the Godfather is lying in in a hospital, and his son Michael is there, and they realize that people are coming to kill him. And Michael says, "Hey, are you scared?" I'm going fast because I don't want to take up too much focus on the main part. But Michael says, "I are you scared?" And the Godfather says, "People, bad people have been coming to kill me since I was 12." <laughs> so so that's how I feel about technology and all these alternatives. You know, they've been coming to kill the legal practice for a long time. If you know what you're doing and you're providing the value and advice that's critical, you will do well as a startup lawyer. If, if, if your whole purpose is that I'm a startup lawyer because I have the best forms, I have better technology, you will fail, right? 
So I see technology as an enablement, enablement of what we do. So I think, found, and, and I'll answer your specific question of how, how founders should look at it, but I'm more philosophical right now. We, 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 we like technology, right? I mean, if I don't have to spend the time to do things that technology can do, that's better for me, you know, because I, I can do more, right? And there's no shortage of clients. Uh, I can do more and I can spend less time doing that, right? And everyone's happy. So I think there's that. Now, as founders, you have to be careful, right? I mean, so, so and I say this to founders that if you want, I can give you all our forms. You pay me $10 and you can have access to all our forms. It's, it's Cooley, many other firms actually outsource now, uh, open source it. You can go online to their website and download and I'm maybe marketing Cooley, but that's fine. It's a good firm. <laughs> So it's not about the forms that you can, the filing itself that you can go on the state state you know website and file it yourself. Why pay legal zoom five hundred dollars for that? You know, uh, so so the question is, what is it that you're doing, right? If you wake up in the of the night and say, I want to start a company, and you're very furiously thinking of, I have to because I'm not going to sleep. Sure, go online and file a, file the company, and that's fine. And then go to sleep because you have a company. If you're going to give up all that you have, like the three hundred four hundred thousand dollar job at Google. Next, build next. You know, use the next three four years. Put your credibility on the line. Are you really doing that to save a few thousand dollars? Right, that would be the question, right? Because the the substantive part of that answer is that it's like any other professional service, right? A doctor, would you go to WebMD when you have a heart attack? You know, because the you know your your cardiologist is going to charge a lot of money. You should not, right? Even a plumber, right? I mean. I can fix most things in my house, but when the water is leaking and I fix it, I'll probably waste more time because the water will keep leaking. I would, I just wouldn't know, right? At some point I'm wasting money because there's water leakage, but I'm thinking I've solved the problem and I've saved $200 for the plumber to fix it. You know, that's really how founders should be thinking about. It's uh, there is, and I, again, I'm biased, but I, I've been doing this for 21 years with over 3000 founders and I can see the founders that understand and get it, you know? And sometimes we say, fine, you know, I'm not chasing you. If, if you're not, if you want to go online and spend $500, that's on you. In fact, I offer that over $500, that beautiful brand, you know, the binder you get from LegalZoom, all of that work I can do for free or $10 literally, because there's no value. <laughs> so, so the question is, you know, why do we, why do we exist? If technology can technology, technology exists to enable us and lawyers should use it as much as possible to become efficient. Uh, mm -hmm. We exist as lawyers because we want to be able to bring the right advice, our experience, you know, on how to how to set things up, right? In the last twenty-one years, I've seen all sorts of things, right? So, so and, and the other part is, so, so I've seen lots of things, and that is the value we should be providing. And if you don't believe me, then maybe there, there are lots of good lawyers who will provide that. But find a good lawyer that you trust and has the experience to help you. And because we've all seen a lot of these over hundreds and hundreds of thousands of transactions, there's nothing magical about this anymore, right? There's nothing complicated about it. Therefore, it doesn't take that much. And therefore, it should not cost that. So you might think you're saving, it, it'll cost tens of thousands of dollars. It does not, right? But whatever it does and whatever you're paying your lawyer, as long as you trust and they have the right experience, is worth it. And technology cannot solve that, you know, unfortunately. Or fortunately for us, I guess. <laughs> Very <laughs> true. Yeah, I'll give, sorry, I, I didn't interrupt, but this, this, I just realized Atrium came out, right? This this company, which was going to blow up, they raised 150, 180. The founder of, co-founder of Twitch started it. Same uh -huh. thing, I, you know, I said, oh, who, who's, who's going to hire you? And we keep getting, now they shut down, you know, and, and we keep getting 
calls from Atrium clients saying, hey, you know, can you help? And I don't want to put Atrium down, I should name them, but any of these firms, when, when we br bring them that client over, when we see there are, there are pretty significant gaps in basic things that as a startup lawyer, I can identify in 15 minutes, you know? So, mm -hmm. so because no one's looking, right? You, and, and, and as I said, you know, it's like the analogy with the plumber. You have a leaky, you don't know, and, and you don't know until it's prob sometimes very late because there's a legal issue, and we'll probably talk about that. But if you if you didn't file your 3B tax election or your co-founder was fully vested and now there's a con conflict with the co-founder and he's walking, he or she's walking away with fully vested shares, simple stuff, so it shouldn't cost too much, but you miss it like the water leak. At some point, your basement's going to be flooding. <laughs> so you have to be careful about what you're, what you're choosing there. Sure, sure. Well, let's actually talk a little bit more about the basement flooding. So I've seen some founders on early stages, you know, when they're just starting their companies or when they're just starting to raise their first round, they're spending tons and tons of time and sometimes money you know, researching all the legal questions and figuring out all the legal details. And sometimes I just don't understand it because, you know, like what, what sort of mistake can you make early on? that will lead to catastrophic events, but there are some that certainly can do that. So in your experience, what's the major mistake that an early stage founder can do early on that will, that might lead to like horrible, horrible consequences, like two, three years later. Yeah. And good fences make good neighbors, right? So that's what I say all the time. You put a good fence in the sense that have a proper legal agreement between founders, right? Uh, between your first hire, between your angel investor, between your VCs, between your developer, right? Any of these, again, very simple to do, but to miss any of these, each of these could cause a significant painful process and sometimes shutting down, you know, especially if the two founders are fighting. You, you know, it's just uh, that you could reach, you know, a point where I, and again, I do a lot of this, right? So clients call me some, again, not our client, but some other founder said, hey, I'm, hey, we have a dispute. I look at the agreements and they're both 50-50, both are on the board, both fully vested. There's no way out, right? And frankly, unfortunately, maybe the only option is I'm trying to mediate with them and explain that, you know, there's no point. And, but they want, they, the only option might be to split the company, which is really end of the business because how do you split one technology into two businesses, you know? So, so basics like that, right? Having good fences, written agreements. If you have an advisor or a developer and you have a, you know, you've shaken hands that, you know, that's fine. We'll deal with your, we'll pay you when you raise funding. And as soon as you raise series A and there's $5 million coming in, that contract, the developer can make a claim for 5% of the equity company, 10% of the equity, you know, and who decides that, right? Once they make that claim as a founder, you come to me and say, I have this background. I'm like, okay, but. You, there's no written agreement, right? And uh, the courts will have to now decide what the value of their contribution. And there are obviously court precedents and all that, but you really have to go through a court process, right? That's six months, 12 months, hundreds of thousands of dollars, legal fees. And guess what? Your investors are gonna pay the account, right? So something that you could have done very easily, which is to get that piece of paper, you've blown it, you know, in, 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 in the sense of, you know, that legal issue. Uh, to give you sort of make it more interesting <laughs> than just be, you know, basic legal stuff. You know, one of the most famous cases is Facebook, right? And how it was formed, there was litigation with the founders. 
And I used to do a lot when I started my own firm, you know, I had to market. So I was going out and speaking about these things. And when I talked about Facebook, it was pretty raw at that time, right? And this also some of it is captured in the movie, accurately, inaccurately, I guess we'll leave it for the fact. <laughs> but I would talk about Facebook and some smart aleck would say, oh, no, 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 it worked out really well for Mark Zuckerberg, right? Which is true. But I then say that it worked out very well for Mark Zuckerberg, but we have three guys, the two, the two uh, uh, brothers and the third guy, who will go to their grave, right, believing that they were founders. They founded and they were basically looking to hire Mark to build the technology, the platform for them, you know, which in my opinion is true. But guess what? The difference between their being founders and owning Facebook and having Mark build it for whatever percentage is that piece of paper that they didn't get him to sign. You know? Mm -hmm. So if you if, if you're building the next Facebook, if you believe you're building the next Facebook and but on the other hand you want to take the risk that saving few thousand dollars will you know will will is the right way to do it. Maybe I don't want to work with you, <laughs> you know, maybe you need to rethink that. So, so I, again, I don't want to say that you don't, you need a lawyer for everything. A lot of information, there's no magic. The information is there, but because of that also, the process itself is so easy. Just get a good lawyer, follow what they're asking you to do. Ask the questions, ask your friends who are successful entrepreneurs who've done it before, ask the right question. Make sure your lawyer's not missing something because there could be some unique in your immigration issue, for example, if you with that, right? But other than that, as, as startup lawyers, we've seen it all, right? There's nothing you're doing that we haven't seen in terms of the legal structuring uh, that, that, you know, we need to worry about too much or or, or charge a lot of money to to put together. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, this phrase that you said, good fences make good neighbors. Personally, never heard of it and I absolutely love it, to be honest. So uh, let's talk just a little bit more about this. So if you're working with your co-founder or just want to get someone as a co-founder, how about uh, something written, but not as much legal? So let's say I send my friend an email saying like, uh, take this as a legal kind of paper to a legal email. I don't know how they call it, but basically the email is going to be saying that, you know, we're going to be working on 50%, 50%. Do you agree to this? And then he or she re responds, yes. Does this count as a legally bonding document? Yeah. So, you know, now I like my analogy of the plumber even more uh, because I can play on that. You know, it's like asking the plumber that my, tap is leaking. I don't, I don't want to pay you $200. Can I just put a bandage on it? Right. So, or a tape. I don't know, right. I mean, I don't know how good quality that is and whether the water will keep leaking. Uh, the short of it is if it's a written agreement, right. Again, I just want to make sure, you know, that you don't need a lawyer necessarily for that. If it's a written agreement and the key elements are properly drafted, sure. You know, it, it's possible. Any, anything in writing for adequate consideration where the terms are fairly clear and you didn't put a you know, gun on someone's head is legally binding. So if you don't have a, it's not, you, nobody will go to court and say this agreement is not valid because a lawyer didn't draft it, right? That's no court will allow for that, right? The question is what is, who's drafting it? What are you, is it, is it clear? And when a lot of times, you know, uh, founders say percentage equity, that's, that's a little bit, you know, incorrect because the percentages may move. So founders, you know, the two founders getting together saying 50, 50 may be okay. But if you're hiring an advisor and you say 1% equity, 2% equity, which most founders do because they want to save the fees. What does that mean? Because two founders may have issued themselves, let's say 50, 50, and there's 2% of that, but then they set up another option pool. Maybe they raise money. And now from 10 million, you have 20 million shares. So is it 
1% of 10 million or 1% of 20 million, you know, mm-hmm. that's basic things like that could get lost, right? And, and that's a significant 1% just in that example, difference between what you think you were saying and what the other person, and that's why good fences make good neighbors because that's a fence. That's everything is on paper. And if they don't agree, that's fine. That's the, the, the best time to have disagreement is when you're starting out, right? So that at least everything's clear. You're saying, hey, founder, I think I'm going to be the CEO. I will have 60%, you'll have 40% or 30%, 10%. Whatever it is that you're thinking and whatever that he or she is thinking, your co-founder, put it on paper, put it on the table, put it on paper and move on from there as long as it's clear. Right? That, that's the point. Whether that paper is well-drafted or not, I don't know because that's like the analogy of, you know, I don't know whether that financial will hold or not. 100%. Totally agree with you here. You know, having it all cleared out before even, you know, starting the whole company, that's just the perfect way to do this. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of legal stuff, I feel like, you know, going through all this paperwork might be actually helpful because, yeah, again, at one point you might be like, yeah, I want 60%, you'll get 40%. And the co-founder is like, ah, no, I actually want 50%. And then it turns out you're not ready to work together and you've just saved yourself years of, you know, working together and then eventually breaking up in a weird way and ruining the entire company. So, yes, definitely take your time, you know, look through the documents. And speaking of looking through the documents, do you recommend any particular services uh, that provide those documents? As you mentioned, Cooley, I believe, right? Uh, so, yeah, Cooley many firms have, I think Fenwick has cdc.com. Well, lawyers, we've all got together and done a lot of good quality work to make the process simple. So, mm-hmm. has all the venture capital series A investment documents. Nice. And I would not, I would not recommend that any founder start drafting it. it. These are somewhat complex and very important sort of implications, you know, in the terms. But those are good documents with not a footnote, so it'll give you a lot of learning, if you will, you know. But if you're starting out, then yeah, Cooley has a, a, a an online uh, platform where you can basically download all the formation documents, your founder stock agreements, your initial board consent, everything else you can download, and uh, you should be. I mean, and and, and they're they're. They're not a different set. That's what Cooley uses for paying clients, you know. Uh, again, any lawyer that's charging for that is the wrong lawyer, right? The ch- lawyer should be charging for the advice and the experience and get and making sure it's done properly. You know? Perfect. Yeah, I'll make sure to follow up with Anil to make sure to include all those resources in the description of this episode so you people can check it out. And on this note, we're moving on to the last question of today's episode. So... Anil, what do you want to listen to as soon as the episode is over? So what do you want them to do right now, basically, especially in terms of legal uh, legal structure of their company? Yeah, so I guess uh, two things. One, I will, the short answer is the legal structure of the company, do it, right? As I, and I'm repeating myself, but get a good lawyer that has the right experience and anyone that's done this in Silicon Valley, for example, or wherever else they, they have the right experience, uh, get that lawyer, and, and you know, make sure you trust that person uh, and obviously negotiate the fees upfront like anything else and then trust that process, right? It's been done before. There's nothing, I mean, you want to be creative, be creative in your how you build the product, how you market the product, how you sell, how you create a presentation that you know, will raise money, but don't try to be creative in the legal for a startup. It's all been done before. And I keep asking founders, you know, tell me what, what is the reason for, for you to try to do this crazy stuff? 
and there isn't you know so so just keep 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 it simple mm-hmm. the other thing i would say more philosophically the legal is as i said earlier you know as being a founder is a lonely journey you are the ceo if there are issues with your co-founder or your customer or your investor you can't go and talk to your employees you can't sometimes talk to your co-founder you certainly can't talk to your investors you know or or if you sometimes legally you're required to disclose to them but before that you have to figure out how to disclose it. your lawyer at that time becomes that confidant right that you can say what do you think about it and as lawyers we see more transactions and these kind of issues than anybody else because you know the best experts the best angel investors the best vcs would invest 5 10 companies a year we represent more than 100 a year you know so mm-hmm. we see a lot more of this so so just you know use your lawyer as that in that position as well as a trusted advisor more than a paper pusher necessarily 100% very accurate advice i love it my call to action is going to be go to the description of this episode i'll leave a bunch of links that's anil my bad anil <laughs> I have yeah. a friend called Sunil. It's very close to Anil, and I'm just <laughs> my bad. Um, that Anil is going to share with me after the episode. So yes, if you're having some legal issues, check it out. I'll make sure to leave links to Anil's LinkedIn as well, and also link to Inventus Law, of course. So check it out. Uh, don't do legal mistakes. You have other problems to take care of. So be careful. Don't waste too much of your time. But at the same time. do not make stupid mistakes so do that and as usually have a good day